When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. to another episode of Making It Rain, the season update after the first week. And as always, my host, who is angrier than 80 and Dudas getting a stick to the face, Joseph Padrino. How's it going, my man? Going, it's going good, Randon. Going good. Uh, we're a few games into the season. It's good to have some real hockey to actually talk about. So that's that's a lot of fun. How you been? How's your uh, weekend? What are, we, what are we here? Wednesday? How's your weekend? A few we days ago. Why not? Yeah, weekend was good. Hockey's back, uh, you know, up up and down with the Kings. For the most part, it's been up with the rain. So I'm just happy to watch some games. You know, sometimes yeah. it's a little rough, you know, that we're covering the rain. Not that we don't like watching the rain, but last game, there was two games on at the same time and trying to focus on both. And so <laughs> it's it's a, it's a good first world problem to have. But uh, how was the wedding this weekend, bud? It was good. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to say this was the first wedding that I've been to with – uh, so my older son was in the wedding 
and he's only he's going to be three next month. He was one of the little ring bears, but that's a totally different animal being at a wedding and you've got your your toddler in tow. Uh, it definitely it's, it makes things a little bit different, but all in all, it was it was good. I am very confident I won't be remembered for my speech, which I'll say is a win. Uh, so off we go. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to be that crying man on YouTube for years to come where nope. memes are made from you. You know, a nope. uh, couple laughs, couple laughs, couple toasts. Adios, it was good. Yeah. So speaking of making memories, uh, there was a, quite a few events here in this week um, for the rain. Obviously, game one was super chippy. Uh, some fights here, some stress there. You know, it's a big thing with the goals as far as, you know, the rivalry them. And then Henderson gets pretty feisty as well. Um, overall, let's just um, – we'll just take it with the first full week of action. What did you feel about the first full week and kind of a broad stroke? Uh, you know, kind of, you know, how were you surprised or, or you know, happy with how the team played? Well, I, I definitely think happy that the team – the way they've played. Um, so I, what I'm trying to do uh, is, is kind of track some possession numbers throughout. And they were 54% Corsi for the first three games. So it's, it's you know, again, we're three games in, so it's not anything to go crazy about. It's, but it's, that's certainly good to see, especially when you consider the start last season <laughs> was, was not quite so good. So right off the hop, that's good. And, and honestly, for me – you know, and we've talked about the goaltending situation quite a bit and, you know, the rain have had some struggles uh, in, in that department, you know, but it was really good in the preseason. And I've been very happy with the play so far from Valalta and Ingham had a really good game uh, in the second game against Abbotsford. Now, so I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I will say uh, w- with regards to the goaltending is each of the last two games, there's been like one goal that I think the goalies would want back. So you're yeah. still working through some kinks, but all in all, they made some big saves. I mean, despite them kind of controlling play, I would say the rain, there were stretches where the goaltending needed to come up big and it did. So I think that's some uh, a potentially positive outlook between the pipes, which is encouraging. Yeah, game one, uh, Velazza had a lot of good, uh, you know, those flipper saves, like you know, the pinball leg saves that he made. And, and uh, you know, it was it was good. I really liked it. I mean, I, like you said, there was one saves that you think you should get back that was like patented Velazza where you're like, Come on, man. The tweeners, yeah. Yeah. The one between the legs last game on well, that Bailey scored, I would have I think you saw him. I think he threw his head to the to the sky. Like, you know, I think he knows he may maybe wants that one back, but he, he did play well. It's like when an NBA player like airballs a free throw, you're like, oh, that couldn't be any more embarrassing. <laughs> uh, but overall good, man. I mean, you, you can't be too, uh, too much more happy about that. I mean, we got points in every single game, five points. Uh, we're we're on top of the Pacific right now with five points, Bakersfield. And Henderson Silver Knights, uh, even though they've only played two games, they have four points. So we're sitting atop the Pacific, which is nice, um, you know, with with two key games coming up this week. So if you guys I know the free uh, pass for the AHL TV was this weekend, uh, but go out and get your AHL TV to watch your rain because Friday, October 22nd, you got Bakersfield Condors coming into Ontario and then another chippy game with the San Diego goals at home uh, on Saturday. So two two games at home for you guys to go buy tickets or watch, uh, watch online. So, um, you know, just kind of give a brief update on the team right now. The rain have two, two scoring leaders in the top 10 for the league with TJ Tynan tied for first place with five points and Martin Burke tied for 10th place with three points. So, you know, it's been a good, it's been a good uh, part. You know, the, I guess you can't really say Ferk's an acquisition because he kind of got sent down from the Kings, but he's been playing well. You know, some, some players don't take that demotion well and they kind of dwell on it and don't come there to play and, we haven't seen that at a FERC. And then the acquisition of TJ Tynan has been as advertised so far. So, you know, those are my kind of takeaways where, you know, they were in every game. Um, 
they lacked urgency in some of the periods, I thought, especially in game three. You kind of saw them fall off the the the, uh, the table until, uh, you know, something we're going to talk about later happened. But overall, they impressed me uh, was from the defensive standpoint in the offensive zone. Um, you have, uh, I, think, I believe, three of the top seven shooters are, are defensemen as far as shots taken. Um, you know, we have uh, Morvari with three points, a uh, point in each of the first three games. So the defense offensively has been stepping up, you know, unlike the Kings where Dowdy's the only point getter there. Um, it's been well uh, rounded on, on the rain team offensively. Yeah. They, I think I, I put a note actually in the last, uh, in the takeaways column that I did after the, uh, the most recent win so far, three games, six, six defensemen um, already have points on the season and a couple of them, a multi-point Movarari you mentioned is one. And in the last game against Abbotsford uh, on the first and the three goals prior to the overtime, um, there was assists, a defenseman chipped in uh, and four assists on the goal. So they've been active uh, as, as we've talked about. We talked about that in the preseason. Uh, we saw it with the Kings in preseason. It seems to be an organizational thing. Um, and it's definitely tricking, trickling down into Ontario. They are very much up in the play, uh, in on the cycle. Um, and so that's, it's, it's good to see. Now from your, you know, obviously you coach and everything like that. What has to happen when, when the defenseman goes up and, and joins the cycle? How much trust do they have to have in, in the, the forwards to, to take up their position? Because they don't normally play defense. Uh, and, then, yeah. and then what is that? Do they take one cycle and then, and then go to the other side? How does that usually work for, for viewers that don't really know, you know, kind of too much about the ins and outs of the X's and O's? So I'm a big proponent I, and I love having, it depends on your team, right? And I, I, I'm a coach on a high school team, so that can fluctuate every couple of years, depending on the players you have in, but I love having D-men if they're good skating D-men and, and offensively minded D-men like the rain have to, to jump in plays and go down on that fort or go down on the cycle and switch off with the forward. Oftentimes that forward may be coming up with the puck. So they'll do a little switch and, you know, sure, you have to have trust, I suppose, in that guy. But, you know, we the idea is that guy's hopefully not going to be taking like any sort of defensive action coming his way in a transition. It's to create more offense going forward and make the the opponent make the other team make that top forward uh, for the for the opponent make a decision am I going am I staying with the D or am I going to stay up here with the or am I going with the D I'm going to stay up here with the forward so that's part of it and how long they stay down there I think it just depends it, really I mean it can depend on you know some teams maybe want that guy to come back up pretty quickly but if if the play is is going on and there's a cycle going on and they keep puck possession then you know and I think you've seen this sometimes with Jordan Spence he's more than willing to stay down there and that's perfectly fine I think um a lot of times you'll see two is so you'll have the two main forwards kind of down doing a cycle. And if one comes up and the D switches, the, there's already that you'll hear, you'll hear broadcasters say the F3. There's always that third forward. That's kind of usually high in the zone, kind of tweaking over to the, to the strong side as a little extra support there too. So um, yes, there's, there's gotta be some trust, but I think by and large, if that is being implemented, you know, as a player, as a coach that, there's going to be some inherent risk there and you're willing to take that because you're playing to your strength and your strength is I've got active and mobile D men. Let's get them going and let's, let's try to get some offense. Yeah. And that's been, like we said, apparent with the team, as you look at the assists on the team, TJ Tiny with five, but we have three defensemen with two assists, Clay, Jersey and Muvari both have two assists. Muvari is second in the team with three points. So the D men are, are definitely being active. They're definitely jumping on that puck. 
Um, and you're seeing players, even like Ron's, who only had one game, still showed his offensive ability and got an assist uh, in that second game. So that was a good pass too. As a as a cross ice neutral zone pass, uh, it was a really good play. It's it's and I and I think I don't know. I I I don't know. We'll see how they shake out. But if they're going to kind of switch off, maybe Grimes and Spence. I, I'm, so far, it's too early to tell exactly how that's going to go. But um, I I'm I would go if that's how they're going to do it. I'd go you know, two Spence to every one Grands or three Spence to every one Grands type of thing. I think Spence is really, he, he, he could really start to make some noise as this season goes along and he gets a little bit more comfortable at this level because he, he looks really good. Yeah. So the, yeah, that was, you know, kind of, we're on the same page with the broad actions there. I thought the defense had some lapses, uh, goaltending had some lapses, but way better than last season. Uh, power play looked a lot more cohesive. Um, you know, which we'll talk about with the positives from the team coming this week. But, um, you know, if you were to give your first star of the week or your MVP, uh, who would you be? Who would it be? It's, it's, it has to be TJ Tynan, I think. And not, yeah, I mean, obviously, okay. So he, he leads the team in points. He's among the leaders in, in, uh, in, the, in, in the league for points. Um, and so that's obviously playing a part of it. But, I mean, it is, he dictates the play when he's on the ice. He is one. He is the one that's making the power play click. He is the one. I mean, they played the first Abbotsford game. He started the overtime. Played. It was a fairly long first shift, close to a minute in the first shift. A penalty gets taken, and then he goes right back out. And he, I think, he played the full two minutes on the power. Like so they know, Robleski knows, this is the guy that's going to make things happen. Uh, so he's getting a ton of ice time. Uh, he's been double shifted occasionally, uh, late in games. He's been good on D zone draws. He he's just been good up and down the ice. And, and as you, you said it a little while ago, he's been ad, as advertised and, uh, he, he's a hell of a playmaker. Um, and you can see it on the power play too. Yeah. I've really liked his play. And, you know, obviously as advertised, like I said, playing one C he's been the figurehead on the power play. Like you said. Um, but I think the big thing that came to me is like when you want big players to make plays, you want them to come and take the game in their hands. And I think the, the biggest obvious point of that would be in game three, uh, you know, where he kept the puck in the offensive zone, finds Madden for the one timer to tie the game, especially when the team was pretty much out of it mentally. It looked like they were slow, sluggish, uh, uninterested after after giving up those goals to the Canucks. And and then, you know, he sent help sends them into overtime and then. And then in overtime, gets a great stick lift on, on the Abbotsford player, draws a penalty because he stick lifts, takes the puck, gets in, gets in front of them. The player hooks him from behind um, and they puts them on the power play. And then, you know, which what I'm also liking as well is Rebels putting them four forwards out there. They're putting the best skill players out there um, and going four on three in the power play. And he finds Ferk for the game winner. So not only did he get two key assists when the team needed it, he made it the key defensive play, um, a couple good draws in both the overtimes. And so he's doing more than just put up points. He's, he's uh, being that true driver of the team, which I really enjoy. Yep. And you could say too, you know, I, I think maybe somebody that could be mentioned in this is, is, is Ferk. But at the same time, that's a direct result of playing with, with Tynan uh, so often. So, but it's a great fit. For, for a guy like Martin Furk, who just loves nothing more than to shoot the puck. I think he leads the, the American Hockey League in shots, uh, shots on goal. He, he, he's, got just 15, what he he's got 15 shots already. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, and 
as long as Tynan is going to find him and feed him, which he's going to, Firk's just going to keep shooting. Um, so it's a great duo, that's for sure. I think they've played around with with somebody else, whether it was uh, Madden or – and actually, it, I'll take this moment to it, – it is it's it is actually pronounced um, Fagimo. I don't know if we've people have caught that on the broadcast, but I know it's been pronounced Fagimo. We've all been pronouncing it Fagimo, but uh, – uh, Jared Schaefer actually, I guess, at a media availability, and that because I heard them pro- uh, talking about it on the broadcast, it's it's uh, Fagimo. So, um, just FYI, I'll throw it out there in case somebody heard me say that and wondering what the heck I was doing. Well, I mean, since he's gotten drafted, I've been saying it one way, so it's going to take me a time to, to, I, to me ease, too. To ease in. <laughs> me yeah. too. But, but uh, Ferk and Fagimo have been uh, leading the team with shots. They're both doing what they need to do. And, and the, their power play kind of reminds me of Washington's power play where, you know, Ferk is sitting in the OB's kitchen, just over there waiting for the one-timer. And they just try to feed him as much as possible. They don't care where, where they have to do, how close the defender is at. And he wants to rifle shots and as they should, like why get cute when you have something that, that you have that weapon that you have in Ferk. And it draws so much attention. You see a lot of the defensemen have to go over there, to get in those shooting lanes and, and opens up a lot of backdoor opportunities. I don't know what you thought about the power play that they're off, you know, they're offering with PP one, but I like it setting up for, for the one timers all the time. I, I don't have an issue with it. I mean, I, I think I, I, I mean, maybe critical is too hard of a word of FERC, but I mean, that's the perfect role for him. I mean, he's, he is a shooter. He is a one, tr- one trick pony. And I don't mean that in like a crazy negative way because his trick is really, really good. It's got a, he's got a, a missile. So yeah, I have no problem with that, especially when you have Dursey at the top, or excuse me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dursey's been at the top. Clay's been at the top sometimes too. Uh, they've kind of shifted some guys around here and there. Um, and so that puts some pressure too on, because obviously that's where Tynan's going to try to go. But it puts a little bit of pressure on because, uh, you know, how the rest of it works out. I mean, Jared Anderson Dolan's been on the PP. Uh, Turcotte Madden's been in the middle, and I think that's a good spot for him. Um, he's had a he's had a lot of opportunities, both on the power play and um, five on five. He played the first couple of games with Tynan and Ferk. Um, I think he's played well. He's put himself in good positions. It just didn't crack. So I was really happy to see him score the tying goal from Tynan. Um, because he's he's he kind of he's earned it. He's he's played well enough to get himself in those in those spots. They weren't falling the first couple of games, so hopefully it starts to uh, to roll for him a little bit more because he's looked good. Yeah, it was it was five on five, but he sat in the spot that he normally does on the power play, right in that slot area, and and had that <clears> quick one timer, and it, it it worked out for him because he's been snake bitten, like you said. Yeah, well, it was, so they pulled the goalie was six on five, so that's why he was oh, able yeah. to to kind of settle in there. But to your point, yes, I think that's a good spot for him on the power play because he's a smart enough player and he has a very good release. Um, you know, and they're going to fall. They'll go. He's a good enough shooter to where I, th- I think that they'll start to go. So uh, if that's where he settles in long term on the power play, I think that'll be a good spot for him. Yeah, I think a couple of the the. Um... Uh, you know, kind of uh, honorable mentions would be for me would be Mervare. Uh, I really like the way Sodagran has played. Um, yeah. And so, you know, those, those guys have, have done well. Like I said, Mervare has one point each of the first three games. He looks good offensively and defensively, um, you know, and like we said, uh, or like a lot of people have been <laughs> calling for after the first game is maybe some line switch ups. Uh, the Corsi four for the second and third pair for the Kings 
in the thirties last game. So, um, you know, is that going to change going forward? Is it just a bad game? We'll find out as more games drop in the bucket, but definitely some offensive minded players like Bouvari uh, and Clegg might be able to help out that left side. Um, if something doesn't get moving forward. You know, Mavari, it's, it's funny because he doesn't look, he, he's not overly noticeable out there. Like you notice when Spence is on the ice, you notice when Jersey's on the ice, just the way that they skate um, and Clegg too, for that matter. Mavari, he's kind of quiet, but it's effective and he, he can make a first pass. He's got a good shot from the point. He gets pucks through. So, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be the flashiest to, to do it. Um, but he, he's, he's quietly effective. Um, and I think, I guess he's just picking up where he left off from last season, where I think it was a bit of a surprise that he put up as many points as he did. He's off to a good start this year. Yeah. I know the A is different than the NHL, but let me just ask you a question here. Um, seeing what you've seen of Bjornfoot last year and this year and with Huare, who, who has a little bit higher offensive upside in your opinion, uh, as far as I know Mavari is a little bit older, he's played in the pro leagues for longer, but, do you think that's still going to be something that develops in Bjornfoot's game, or is it too too close of a draw to, to really say? It's probably too close. I mean, the, the the thing for me that I would hesitate to get too ahead of myself with Mavari right now is um, he, he's a smart player. He can make the first pass like we just talked about. Um, but I don't know. The skating is probably not quite there to be, you know, left D2 in the NHL. Um, I, I think that there's still some questions there on Mavari if, if, you know, hey, I mean, he'd have to be thrown into the fire to see it. But I I, I don't know that I – like, Clegg is a, is a definitively better skater, right, on the left side uh, than Mavari. So he would he would still be – if in a hypothetical, what we're talking about, maybe making a swap, it would still be Clegg for me. Um, but I I, – because I, I'd rather ease Mavari in if we could, like – Again, we're talking hypotheticals here, like in an NHL situation and kind of the third unit, third pairing, just to kind of see how we can slot in. Because if he can show he can skate at the level and and, and transition from offense to defense and vice versa, um, then maybe he, he's good enough to slot up to the second pair. But, uh, I, you know, I think he his brain is what gets him to where he is right now. Um, now we'll see if that skating can improve enough to get there. But I... I I'm, I'm not, that's not necessarily a ringing endorsement though of Bjornford either. Like there's still, there's still, I'm waiting to see more from him. I think he's been okay. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's there offensively. Yeah. Something that, something that needs to be said that I heard on the last telecast, which um, I thought was interesting is he said that Edler has helped him a lot because the fact that, um, discussing different strategies yeah. as a defenseman in Swedish versus English. And he's saying that he's getting the the tips and tricks a lot quicker in Swedish because they're, you know, lost in translation. It's his second language is English and yep. Edler's helping him with that there. So I wonder if the progression in his game is going to, is going to vault uh, tremendously there. And like I said, he's still young and yeah. progression isn't linear. You know, it could be, it could be when he's 22 when he, and then all of a sudden he's a top pair defenseman and we just don't, we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that could very well be with with the, with the whole with the language there, and, and and I hope it is, and I hope it does help. But um, you know, from from I, it's I think the way Clegg skates and the way he's looked, I think here early on, it could be tough 
to keep him down for for too long. But I, but again, uh, you know, right now the roster is with it. I don't, I don't think the Kings should necessarily do go too crazy in terms of like a full roster shakeup. You know, it's only been a couple of games, but um, you know, we talked about this stuff before the season, though. You know, that c- certain things aren't really a surprise to me. But um, that's not really near the here here nor there. But uh, it, it's encouraging to see though Mavari because you know I don't think any, he's a defensive defenseman with a brain is basically what the scouting report was on him coming out. Then he comes into the American Hockey League last year, picks up 14, 15 points in twenty six games. Like, okay, maybe we have a little something here. And he's picked Hello, up right Mrs. off the top. Hello, Robinson. <laughs> and now he's rolling and again he's not the jordan spence where he's going to wheel it from behind the net and and lead the rush or, or hop up into the rush with these guys he he does it in a different way but it's still very effective yeah it's just going to be interesting to see and like you know i'm i'm one of those fans that has higher expectations for the kings and the or, and the rain um and with higher expectations leads to more panic when you don't when you don't see results <laughs> and so i know i know fans are calling for all kinds of shakes up, you know, why isn't Callie there? Why isn't Jad there? What's up with Lazad? What's up with all this kind of stuff? And right. uh, some of that needs more game. Some of it needs more time. If you look at the, the Vegas game, everybody was clicking, but I think the fourth line had a course of 84. And then in, in the, in this last game, the fourth line was very well prevalent with Lazat there. I think Grunstrom helped in that. Um, but, you know, going back to the rain, I think you're looking at the left side D is, is starting to really be something that it's going to be a stronghold for, for that team. Uh, let's just hit on Will Landon for a little bit. Got claimed off of waivers. Uh, was it possible for the rain there? Goes to Buffalo in your home state. How do you think, uh, what do you think Buffalo saw in him over maybe Clegg or Mervoire? And how do you think he fits in in Buffalo if you were just to give us a little quick excerpt on that? I think my guess would be um, he, they'd probably like that he plays a little bit of both sides. Uh, and I'm going to draw a blank because I believe they just had a defenseman go down and get hurt in Buffalo and off the top of my head, I cannot recall who it was, but I wanted to say it was somebody that played the right side. Um, so I think they like to see him as somebody that's kind of versatile that can play both sides. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think again, and it's probably just timing, right? Because we talked about it when they sent Clegg down, for example, and he cleared waivers, like why wouldn't Buffalo take Clegg then? Um, but maybe at the time, there wasn't the fit for him right now. Yeah. Now. And again, I could be wrong that I'm pretty sure not, like I said, I'm, I apologize. I'm drawing a blank, but um, if there's an injury and all of a sudden somebody like Will Landon goes on waivers, there you go. And, 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 and in fairness, like Buffalo may know a little bit more about him. Um, maybe that's, you know, he was in the division, he was in Ottawa. Um, so he, he could be somebody that perhaps they're a bit more familiar with just seeing him more regularly. Um, that could play a part of it too, but um, that's what I would say. I mean, they've off, been off to a pretty surprising start um, and their D's actually been pretty good so far, but uh, he, he's a guy that I think is versatile enough to slot in kind of wherever they need him in the top six, especially in Buffalo. He can play anywhere from top pair to third pair uh, and probably either side. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I think the rain needed a little bit of a breath. As you say, we're, they're switching off between Spence and Grants on the right. Um, you know, sending down Will Landon, you would have had a log jam over there as well. And so it yeah. gives a little bit of breath. I mean, I know people want to get rid of the cap hit that is Mata, um, but I don't think he was ever going to see time on the rain. And so that's really a mute point when you look at who they sent down and just having that little extra room to breathe and getting Clegg and uh, uh, Mavari higher end minutes because you know Will Landon can do 
it's just as much as stuff as they can do. And so you want to give the prospects with higher upside that ice time, in my opinion. Yoki Haru, by the way, they did have an injury and I knew it was somebody on the right side. Henry Yoki Haru went down. Um, so that's, again, I think somebody they could play the both, both sides if they need to. So let's go in. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to be a Debbie Downer, but we got to talk about the team objectively and the negatives about this week. If the team's going to grow and the team's going to compete for the Calder Cup, uh, you know, they're going to have some downs and they got to come back from those downs. Through three games, if, were there any negatives to you and, and how glaring were they? Um, and, you know, if they're egregious or minor or just something you'd like to see get fixed up? So far, I wouldn't say there's anything necessarily egregious or um, systematic even, you know, because, again, I, I do feel like they've been the better team in all three games. Um, I go back and forth on the goaltending because I just talked about how I thought it was a positive. It's been nice to see. But, like, those those goals that you say, ah, you want that one back. But you can't afford to give those up if you're playing in, in tight games. I mean – the goal that you want back in the first Abbotsford game from Ingham was a tying goal. The goal that you want back in the second game against Abbotsford from Valalta was a go-ahead goal. Um, so these are, there's not good timing for these either. Um, but again, on the flip side, you know, they have played well at certain, certain times and Ingham was great in, in the shootout. So um, that's a, a minor thing. The first uh, boy, and it started to make me a little bit nervous in the second one, too. They ended up converting uh, in the second game, but they had a power play in overtime in the first game, and it wasn't – they didn't create much. Um, and I know they, their power play is has been better. It's clicking into like 30-some percent right now. Um, but consider that one of their three goals came off a bizarre bounce off a stanchion. Um, so I, I, I do think the power play hasn't looked like it's clicked. I mean – Tynan is clearly the guy that, that it's running through when it's going well, but I don't know that they've fully got it clicking on all cylinders quite yet. And I think it could, and I, I'm sure it will. It takes time, but I would say that's something that I, and I know it's something rain fans want to see improve. And I would say it's probably improved, but I don't think it's where it could be. Um, yeah. Last year it was in the teens. Um, this yeah, year so four, far, we have four goals on 12 opportunities, 33%. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. That's third in the division. Uh, the goals are first at 50%, but they've only played one game, one for two. Yep. So, um, you know, so really uh, it's been a lot better, but it seems like you said, it's clicking just like, it just needs a tune-up. You know what I mean? It needs a little tune-up to get to running to full speed. And, and you know, I'm not going to knock 33% for the full year. I mean, you, sure. how would you? Uh, but in this small thing, it, like you said, it just looks like it needs a little bit of a tune-up. And I think, I think, and what you're seeing it a little bit with some of the lines too in the D pairs is I think they're still trying to kind of work through, you know, what is our regular roster look like? What is our, as, as things settle, what is that top power play unit going to look like? You know, I mean, there's been, they, they've tweaked around with the D, they've tweaked around with some of the lines, nothing too crazy, but you've seen it. You know, Sodergrand has played two of the three and Doty played the other one. They've mixed in and out. I think there's only been one line that's played consistently every game, and that's Anderson, Dolan, Wagner, and uh, Dudas has been the only consistent line um, throughout the first three games. So, Which, give, you know, a, give us a pat on the back on that one. We talked about it in, on the season premiere is that we thought that Jad and, and, and Wagner should play roles that they would play on the Kings if need be, and they are playing those third, fourth line checking roles. Uh, Jad is getting offensive time on the power play, which is good for him. Yeah. Um, if he's yeah. if he's going to earn minutes in on with the big club, but 
good to see that they're working on things that that uh, they're going to be called upon in the next level. And you know, you you kind of feel for Wagner, man. He's getting he's getting chances, just almost like he did with the Kings. Like he'd get partial breakaways, or he'd get this, and he just can't he just can't finish. You know, he but listen, he it's better that he's getting the chances and not finishing them than having to defend, right? Uh, it's it's better than the alternative, I guess. So it's he he's he's a player that that we talked about. We, the Kings know, I think, what they're going to get out of him and then that's fine. So whether, wherever he plays on the rain, I think they know what they're going to get. Anderson Dolan. It's interesting to see him on the power play. I can't say I was necessarily expecting it, but they've definitely, and he's been on the, the four on three power play too, uh, in overtime. So again, they, there's something there that Robleski obviously likes and the organization likes. Um, and so we'll see how that kind of goes and how that develops, not only as the season goes along, but also as guys kind of, filter in and out like if Kapari ends up coming back down or Kaliev comes back down or you know when Akil Thomas comes back how everything kind of gets sorted but um, he's getting a good opportunity here yeah I really like him down that in that role that kind of that Dustin Brown in front of the net that gritty goal area and and you know I'm going to keep beating this drum is that you got to find skill sets and opportunities to make it to the big club and if he can show that he can be effective on the power play in front of the net and get those dirty gritty goals and use his body you know, that's going to be something that he could get on, you know, the fourth line for the Kings and be power play too down, down low and get some minutes. And so, you know, that, and that's something that Lazat doesn't offer. He doesn't offer power play two upside mm-hmm. down low. Agreed. And so, Agreed. and so he could set himself apart. And I know many fans are clamoring for uh, the, the Lazat experience to come to an end and that could be an open for, for, for Jad, which, you know, I love Lazat. I think he dro- drove a lot of the play in the first three games. But, you know, you want to see that up, upside. And we've mentioned before that Jad's shooting percentage probably isn't going to stay the same as it was from last year. But if you can add those tools of uh, being a solid faceoff guy, being greedy down by the power play, he could earn those minutes and, instead of uh, just being handed them because another player isn't playing up to expectations. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think, you know, it's a little unfair, I think. Lozat's just an easy target, I feel like. Um but again, think I think he, do you think it's like a bully complex is he's a small guy. So it's easy to, pick I don't, on? I don't know what it is. I mean, cause like maybe it's, he's boring, I guess. And he's not like, he's, he's controlling like, for the most part, he's spending time not in his zone. And again, if you're looking at a fourth line, like just don't give it away, keep pucks in the other end, you know, be reliable. And he is that, you know, yeah, he's not, he's not going to pitch in much offensively, but I mean, with the start of the Kings season so far, we're only a few games in, but if, if people's complaint is Blake Lazat, I mean, they got to go somewhere else. I mean, there's, there's bigger issues than Blake Lazat right now. And I'm in four C that he's, he's the least of the problems. Yeah. I, I really liked, you know, and I'm a big uh, Grunstrom fan. And, you know, before we go back to the ring, I really liked him the way he played, what he adds to the fourth yeah. line. Like I think him and, um, and Lemieux, um, uh, uh, Brandon Lemieux, he, they both really offer that grit and that, and that uh, power and the hitting and, and that, you know, never take no attitude that the fourth line needs. Like you need some guys that do that. And I, before they put him in, it, that, that line just seemed a little bit soft. Obviously, they, when they demoted Artie to the fourth line, he doesn't really offer that checking role. But with Lazat Moore and, and Grunstrom or Lazat Kapari and Grunstrom, you know, Kapar is not really a grinder, but he offers a little bit of skill and he's still a great skater and, and offers a 200 foot game. So I, I thought that line played really well last game when there wasn't really a lot of positives. 
Yeah, they created some chances, no no doubt about that. Um, and Kapari had a couple himself. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of things that I probably have thoughts and ideas on what to do with uh, as far as the Kings are concerned, but we could be here for a while doing that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to get back. To, I'm going to get back to the negatives really quick. And I think the big neg negative for me is penalty minutes. Now we, we lead the Pacific in penalty minutes. Um, Grant, we played three games and everybody else has played uh, most, everybody else has played two, uh, but we have 40 penalty minutes granted, uh, you know, Jersey was sticking up for his teammate and Judas taking the stick to the face. And that's, uh, you yep. know, that, that was a lot of minutes right there, but giving up that many, um, uh, penalty minutes puts put you it puts you in the the um, in the negative area quite a bit as far as how many penalty kills you have to have and and they were 66 percent during the three games so they had nine uh, there was nine shorthanded opportunities they gave up three goals and so you know really that's something that they need to clean up as far as the penalties uh, is concerned if they're really going to compete all year long because um, and in my opinion, last year, that was a really bad deficit for them too. penalty minutes and in, in their, in their PK. So that's something for me that I think needs to, uh, to, to pick up. And, and, you know, I love Jersey standing up for his teammates. I love at the end of the goals game when there was another scrum Turcotte standing up for his teammates and everything like that, uh, being the leader that he is and wanting to take that next step forward as a leader for the rain. Uh, I thought that was big. Um, you know, we haven't really mentioned Turcotte. I think there was a lot of positives to his game, but, you know, going back to the, the, the penalty minutes, you know, we got to clean a lot of that stuff up because that, that's, those are momentum killers. And that really saps the energy out of a team when you, when you give up those goals. So I think that needs to be put in. I, I didn't really see them. Their spacing wasn't really that good. And I didn't see a lot of sticks in the lane. Um, I mean, I didn't go watch any of the replays of the game, but just me watching it. That was my, my thought is they were over pursuing a lot uh, in the defensive zone and, and you need to be able to, to kind of keep the lanes empty and, and, uh, and clear those bucks. So. Well, yeah, and you know what I didn't what, what was frustrating last game was so they enter the third period with a uh, with the lead, the two one lead. And this this from a as a coach, this drives you up so up a wall. Um, is they take an offensive zone penalty, which you know so the, more often than not, those are just not necessary penalties to take. And obviously no one's out there trying to take a penalty. I understand that, but you know, it's, those are things that, that come back to bite you. And sure enough, you know, it's like 30 seconds later, they convert on the power play and all of a sudden it's a tie game uh, and, and things start to shift. So um, yeah, to your point, I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, I think as they, again, try to figure out where guys best fit and best slot in, yeah, they'll probably get the, the, the penalty kill to get worked out too. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's a problem if particularly when, and I know, I go back and forth on the goaltending, but it's it's not exactly elite by any means at the moment. So particularly when your goaltending isn't elite, you need to really have a a, a strong penalty kill in terms of a unit. Yeah, so that's really all I, I could see there. And, it, you know, I really like the standing up for the teammates. Like I said, I really liked a lot of the other things, but just clean some of that stuff up. And, you know, we're only three games in, but we got to come. We yeah. got to comment on what we've seen so far. And that's right. and that's and that's what uh, I've seen so uh, going into positives, which we like to talk talk up our reign quite a bit. Um, you know, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the power play. I've seen a lot. Of, it needs to be fine tuned, like you said. Uh, but having a definitive player like Tynan kind of have that role, and Ferk has a role, and people that know their collective roles, it seems like the power play clicks a little bit better uh, when people know what they're doing. Where last year, like we said, we have all these elite players coming in, and they're Robo's trying to figure out where all they all of them go, and sometimes. 
you know, 40 games isn't really enough, especially when people are getting pulled up and pulled down, put here and put there, and they're still trying to be their first year as a pro. So with a little bit more experience and, and Robo knowing these players a little bit better, uh, and then you have players who have definitive assets like Tiny with his assists and Ferk with his shot, it really makes so that these players know definitively where they should be. Yeah, and I, and I think what's nice too is you're going to start to see guys like, and it may mean even if it's, if it's not in the first unit, but the second, a guy like Jordan Spence is, is seeing some power play time too um, on the second unit. So even if that first one isn't clicking, you're going to have some an influx of talent still on the second unit. So um, I do think that it's in a better, even though, you know, I, I know that, the, so it's at 33% of that, that's going well so far, the production wise. And even if it isn't like visually, you know, appealing, maybe as it will be, I think it's going to when you have some of the guys that they've got, because it isn't just like first year guys like they had last year that were pros. You've got a guy like Tynan and then everybody else that's that's no longer a rookie now. So I think they're a bit more settled. So I, I fully expect it to be much more consistent as it goes along. So that was mine. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? Your What was your positive in your opinion? I like that. It's, again, you know, they the way they started last season was was as bad as it was. It's just nice to see them get off and get, they they've got points in every game. They've got two wins, but they're controlling play. Um, they have been um, uh, positive in the in the Corsi percentages in every single game. They dominated the second game in particular. Um, they've done the same at five on five. They've been the better team at five on five. So I like to see that as kind of a baseline, like, okay, they're at least, they're controlling the play. They're, they're, they're out, out shot attempting their opponents they're out shooting their opponents. Um, Cause then you at least get a little bit of a base that you're not chasing the game, right? You're not chasing the play all over the ice. And if you can settle into, to leading the possession charge, well, now you can kind of work into your systems a little bit. Then you feel a little bit more comfortable having the D jump up. Uh, in plays. So that's the biggest thing is I just feel that they are controlling the play uh, at least through these first, first three games so far. So that's, that is a, a good thing to see. And from an individual standpoint, like, you know, obviously Tynan's been great. We've mentioned some of the D um, and I'll reiterate, I think Tyler Madden has looked pretty good. He's gotten himself, like I, I said before, into positions to put pucks in the net. They haven't fallen yet. He got the tying goal last game. Uh, he could have had a man. He could have had a few in that that second Abbotsford game, uh, or excuse me, the first Abbotsford game. They just didn't fall. Um, the one thing I'll say as a negative, just so and, and to, not to go back, but you know they they are controlling the play. They jump. So Madden's put himself into positions where you know he's he's had the opportunity to score, and you know, they, they, he could have had a few goals in that second game, the second game of the season, the first one against Abbotsford, and they just didn't fall. I, I do want to go back real quick. Um, kind of a, a negative is this, the fact, so they've been controlling these games, right? But they haven't necessarily, with the exception of the first one, but they had opportunities to put games away, to put Abbotsford away multiple times. And I go back to this last game. They scored two goals in 30 seconds in the first period, take a two nothing lead. And then they just kind of, I'm not going to say they took their foot off the gas. Cause again, I still think they, they controlled much of the play, but you'd like to see them, you know, put, put a team away. And, and rather than kind of, they kept them in it, they pop one late in the third, then they, then Abbotsford scores a power play goal in the second or early in the third. And before you know it, the rain are trailing. So um, you'd like to see them, you know, kind of have that killer instinct and, and maybe try to put teams away. Um, 
but again, it's early. It's, it's so that I suspect that'll come. Yeah. I, I think another positive that we haven't really talked about, you know, um, everybody's wondering about him is Turcotte. I think he played well in the first two games. Uh, he's been the center of the second line. Um, he got his goal in the, in the area that I think he's going to thrive in, which is right near the crease. I think he's not afraid to go in those spots. Uh, he played very well, in, in my opinion, from what I saw and was looking when I noticed him on the ice defensively. And uh, I like the fact that he stuck him stuck himself in in some fights for his teammates and is not afraid to uh, not afraid to do that. Not all captains or skill players are are willing to do that. And um, you know, I mentioned it in our in our business chat is um, you know an option for the fourth line. We talk about earning minutes is his skill set lends himself to that grinder role to start while his offensive game is getting going, um, you know, with Byfield potentially out until week, uh, uh, week, whatever in December, it does, does Turcotte get a cup of coffee up with the Kings or should he based on, based on his skill set and what he could provide for that, that greediness of maybe a third or fourth line. That really depends on, on how nuts the Kings want to get. Um, uh, you know, if if they see uh, Velarde, if they're gonna, if he's still their three C, then maybe not. But if they have any inclination of maybe moving him to the wing, um, that's gonna obviously open up a center spot. And whether that would be Kapari or whether that would be Turcotte or whether it would be maybe move they, they move more up. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways they can go. But I think part of it probably depends on if they're gonna keep Velarde as third center, which I fully expect them to this early in the season um yeah you know the goal got scored was uh the one shift that robleski jumbled the lions just for a bit and he put tynan up with with turcott and it was a goal yeah. um and that was the so you know he he's been he's been good turcott um i think it's we're all going to want the production to start to come um, a bit more consistently, but again, it's three games. He's got his goal. He's so he's on the board at least. It was a great feed from Tyne. And so, you know, I think we'll get there, but you know, at some point I do agree with you though, that his, the way he plays uh, his speed, his skating, the way he's, he's willing to roll his sleeves up. He'll go at, he'll go to the dirty areas that he could play up and down a lineup um that's what makes him pretty useful so as far as the kings i I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a cup of coffee at some point i just don't know if it'll be this early but we'll see yeah it's just something to see how the how the game rolls on obviously we're only three games in it's just speculation but um Mm -hmm. let's just go to kind of a little uh you know a little hypothetical here this kind of off the cuff stuff that we didn't really plan on but what do you what is a successful season for turcott is it a point per game um being that he's a number five overall pick he's got more skill players on his team um, you know, I mean, uh, Fadimo sure. is, is, is going in his second year. Madden's playing with him. Furcus up there. I know they jumped with the lines a little bit. He's on power play. You know, what would be a successful season for Turka? I, you know, you'd like to see, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's easy to say, you know, can you dominate this level before you move to the next one? And eh, I, I get that sentiment, but I just want to see him be a player, even if it's not production wise that when he's on the ice, he is controlled like TJ Tynan, for example, when he's on the ice, the puck is on his stick. He's dictating what's happening in that shift. You'd like to see eventually Turcotte settle into that role a bit and be that, but you know, again, you kind of mentioned it, that maybe that's not necessarily going to be his game. And if it's not, 
that just to me screams he should move to the wing which is fine so you know from a production standpoint i think you I, everybody wants him to be some sort of a you know producer but be at a point per game or whatever it's going to be i would just like to see something definitive with with him what is his role going to be what is his style of play going to be is he a playmaking center uh is he a guy that can move to the wing and score goals um I just hope he can settle into a consistent role. And I think that'll help him uh, down the road too. I don't want to just say that, you know, if he plays say, I don't know, 60 to 70 games in the AHL, that if he doesn't have 60 to 70 points, it's a failure of a season. Cause I, I think that's a little too simplistic. It doesn't have to be necessarily about the bottom line all the time you know, it's with, with a top five pick though, you'd certainly like to see some production start to come. All right. A little, another off the cuff here. If Tynan continues the way he's at with his production and obviously he has defensive acumen, they brought him in to be the number one C for the rain, but would he be up for maybe some four C time with some injuries on the Kings roster? I, it's so hard to say because I it just, obviously not being somebody in the Kings organization to know what they're thinking. And, and if, because yeah, to your point, if there's, if they have injuries, maybe, but I I think part of that depends on where the Kings view, you know, say it's Lazad and more go down hurt and, you know, Byfield's already hurt. Where do do they believe that Kapari and Turcotte are ready to play center? are they ready to play fourth line center if those injuries hypothetically were to happen? And if the Kings from a developmental standpoint, don't think that then maybe Tynan does get the shot. Um, and I kind of think the Kings are, are really settling into Kapari being a winger. So I think I'd be a little surprised if there's an injury that they, they throw him back into the middle. I think they're going to look at him as a, give him a long look on the wing. So, you know, maybe if there's injuries, they could give him, they could give Tynan that look. I just don't know what they're, you know, how they look at TJ Tynan in that sense. Yeah. It looks, if you look at the money, um, cap hits 750 for the NHL, but 400,000 for the AHL, which is pretty high for, for an AHL player. And so, you know, obviously they want him to be a big fixture in, in that, on that team. I just see, I uh, wonder if they, they see him being a fixture on, on the big club with, uh, you know, obviously you want to get Byfield and, and all those other guys as much, time in there as possible because you don't want all the rookies up at the same time but ultimately it's about winning hockey games and if tj time is the best option at this point um i i, I wouldn't yeah, you, mind you wouldn't mind seeing it you just wonder if he's gonna if he's that guy and and i don't know he's he could be which is there's nothing wrong with that that he's still a heck of a hockey player but if he's elite at this level just not quite there at the next level. And he kind of falls into that in baseball. They call it what the quad a player, um, that, that, that type of, you know, he just between the Amherst. Yeah. You know, and it it happens, you know, I mean, in Rochester, we've had a couple of those guys over the years that, that were great here locally in the HL and they just could never quite crack the big club. So we'll see it happen. You know, it happens. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, from a, he is, it is what it is, but, um, it, I think it just depends on and on how the Kings kind of view him. Yeah, 500K isn't anything to sneeze at. So, yeah. um, and lastly, uh, let's uh, let's go. Everybody's asking for lineup changes right now and call ups and everything. Who do you think is going to be your first call up? Uh, obviously, we already had one in, in Kapari before the season started, but 
now that the season has started, who's um, who's going to be your first call up on the team? That's a very good. That's a very good question. I'm going to say. I think it's going to be. Ugh, I'm going to say Turcott because I think he can play the middle. He can play like for hypothetically, if they're looking for maybe, you know, we've talked about Blake Lozada and, and I continue to be a fan of what he can do in the, in the four C role, but maybe if the Kings say we need a little jump, we need a little spark, somebody that can provide a little bit more offense in the fourth line, maybe it's they'll go with Turcott, but I think they, they, he can also play the wing if, if he needed to, I, I was hesitating because I, I think Fag Fagimo is in that discussion. Um, but I, I don't know that his play is, is warranted, you know, screaming for him to be called up right now. Um, I, I think he's looked good, but I, I just, I, I don't think the Kings are ready to, to uh, who knows, but we'll f- find out soon Friday, how much they're going to really shuffle things up um, because they have, a lot of wingers that I, you know, I don't know where they're going to move them all around if they were to bring up somebody like Figino. Yeah. I think that, I think the person you look at it is the line that has been disappointing the most since the preseason has been the Velarde line. Um, you know, they had so much momentum and, and maybe Elias Anderson is the straw that stirs the drink with that, that line. And, and, you know, you'd need the guy to do all those, those things and, and chase pucks and, and forecheck and backcheck and, for a line to be successful. And, you know, that's why I'm a big, always being a big proponent of Iafalo and, and what he does for the team and everything like that. And maybe that line is just not as successful without a player like that. Um, and I'm not saying that this guy that I'm going to mention is that player, but you saw the offensive tick up with Mark, Martin Furk on that, on that line uh, towards the end of two years ago. Um, you know, would they try to catch some magic and get some offensive stability going on there? I mean, you could see, uh, you know, Vladimir Kachev really tried to sauce some passes up for, for Ferk and take use of his shot. Um, Cause he's, he, I mean, he would, he would sauce a pass over the 405 if you asked him to. So uh, uh, I, I just really think that he, I, I really think that he could maybe get some, get some offensive there. Um, I just don't know how long this is going to be out. And then there's also the wild card of Athens to you. Um, yeah. he, has that, he has that speed. He, he's not afraid to chase some pucks and, you know, he's, he's a pretty good scorer as well. I mean, obviously it, people will think that, that might've been a fluke, but whether it's a fluke or not, 30 goals is 30 goals at some point. So, you know, maybe him on the, the third line or the fourth line to get some juice going um, with a player that has offensive ability, like Leah Sanderson, like Athens you that can, uh, that's not afraid to chase pucks around and, and do the things that you need to keep the puck in the offensive zone. Yeah, from a King standpoint, it just it seemed like a very odd fit to put Kaliev with Velarde and Kachev. I, you know, I think it, to me, Kempe just makes too much sense. He's a f- sort of similar kind of good skating winger, gets in on the four check like Elias Anderson does. So I think it would have made too much. I think that was a, a way better fit. Um, but I, I don't know. I just I think they have enough options internally at the Kings right now that I don't see them going down yet to Ontario. I think they're going to still try to tweak some things, you know, you know, maybe they move more around, move him up. Like they did, they did that actually last game, you know, maybe he gets a bit more involved. Maybe they do shuffle up the top six wingers a little bit. Maybe they move uh, Kempe down, uh, you know, maybe they get Kelly up back into the lineup. There's, there's a number of things that they can do internally, you know, without, 
dipping down, I think, into Ontario yet. Because um, my guess is if they start to do that, I don't know, and maybe that, I don't know if that, does that instill a sense of like, oh crap, and there's panicking, so they're just grasping at straws and going to the AHL this early in the season. I, I don't know if it, if it has that kind of feel to it, if that's what happens. I mean, I think they've got a crop of guys. I would just tweak some things around in the lineup a little bit and see if that helps jumpstart it um, and maybe get some guys into better fits and slot them in maybe where they'd be better suited to play rather than go down into Ontario yet. Yeah, I still, it's a little early for that. Yeah, I think so too. I think people are, are freaking out. And when, like I said, higher expectations equals equals more mm -hmm. freakouts online, um, you know, when your team's supposed to be in the bottom of the of the barrel and, and like previous years, uh, you kind of just take the good games when they happen. But now we're expecting more of those good games to happen as we saw with what the team was, the team was capable of against Vegas. I think you're right. I think Leah Sanderson, he's got to get healthy. Afanasi, he's got to get healthy and see where those players fit in and slot in. Um, do you think Kaliev has not been put on the second pair because the fact that of what McClellan has said with uh, Velarde saying that he they threw Velarde into the Wolves into the deep end um, too quickly and they don't want to do that on the second line with Kaliev, even though his skill set doesn't lend himself to a bottom six. I don't think that's it because it's just and there's it's it's a little different too because Velarde is playing second line center, which is a that's a big ask for a young a young young player to get thrown into that so I think that's that's definitely played into the the Velarde thing although uh, as I've you know I, I've written about too that I there's I have there's enough concerns about Velarde that it really sucks that Byfield's hurt right now because I think I would love to see Velarde be a winger because I think he can really excel as a goal scoring and a creative winger but anyways to Kaliev I I think they for they're willing to see out the Adrian Kempe experiment for better or for worse. It seems that they are not ready, ready to, to pull the plug on that. Uh, obviously they're and Dustin Brown is continuing to produce. So they're not going to move him. They just paid Arvidsson. And I, I, I've said it, I think I have follow who I had questions about production wise. And I still do from a production standpoint, but I've really liked the way he's looked um, with Deneau. So I'm comfortable with him there, but um, I, I don't know. There's, I don't see goals on that second line as it's currently constructed. Who's scoring goals in Dino, Iafalo, and Kempe? Nobody. So you need to, like, Kempe is a, is a fine um, kind of uh, a piece, to, uh, a complementary piece on a line, like getting on the forecheck of north-south game, uses wheels, which is why I think he'd be much better in the third-line role and put a scorer with the likes of Iafalo and, and Dino. Um, and I would, would be comfortable trying in Kaliev there. And I think maybe some people thought Arvidsson would start off on that second line, but you know, if they're still want to roll with the Arvidsson Brown Kopitar line, that's, that's perfectly fine too. But, um, I, the switch I would make is just move Kempe down and I would give inject Kaliev into the second line just to see what happens. What do you, you know, why not put somebody that can score some goals with those two, because they're controlling play. They were the only line. And this is the, the other part of it, too, is that line was the only line that was positive in terms of obsession uh, last game for the Kings was the Dino line at five on five. But if I'm not mistaken, they were a negative in the expected goals because I just don't know. There's not a ton of like pure offensive creativity uh, on that line. It's 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 
two really, really good and responsible hockey players in Deneau and Ayafalo um, at both ends of the ice. And then again, a kind of a complimentary piece in Kempe, who I, I just don't see that he offers what he offers to that to that particular line. I think he would offer more to Velarde and Kachev. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit in, in, in the, in the preseason and, and both Kempe and I follow have been working on their shot and we'll see if that ever, that ever facilitates or comes to be mm-hmm. true within the season. Um, you know, is it too early after three games, you know, that people get snake bitten all the time. Um, you know, and, and I know we have a couple years of, of tape on both Kempe and I follow and I follow production. You know, you could say, Oh, he was playing with uh, one of the best centers to ever play. Um, and that's why his offensive numbers were there, but he's really not that guy. Uh, but, you know, get, I think give that line a little bit more time. Cause like you said, they are creating offense in the, in the zone. Uh, the pucks just aren't following, you know, will, will I follow completely miss the net from 10 feet every single time? No. So it's like, it, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get those shots and maybe it's just highlighted. If that shot happened in the first game, nobody would be talking about it, but because we lost the game, um that that shot happened where he probably should have buried it you know then that becomes more of a highlight so I'm willing to see if that that gets going but this is not a season where we can kind of you know sit and let things marinate you've got to it's like like T-Max said it's going to be interesting to see where and how all these minutes shake out because as much as they don't want to say it or some players have said it the playoffs are the expectations and so how many games can you expect to give up by waiting uh, what for what have I been saying for the whole summer? I mean, they've been using the playoff word and they're, tr- I, they're, they, they, there's just not enough change. I, I mean, I understand you brought in Deneau and you brought in Arvidsson, but I, I, I don't, I said it, I've been saying it for, I don't, I just don't see where the, what the, the allure is to, to, you know, to Kempe on that second line. I think he can be well, better served and there's nothing wrong with being a really, really good bottom six or third line winger, which I think he can be. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think it just slots, lots, slots him in better. Uh, be it on, you know, the wing with Velarde and, and, you know, you've tried Kempe on the second line or you try Kachev up there. You know, I, I think that it's, I, I think right now the piece that's kind of the square peg in the round hole is for me, it's Kempe. Um, and if he wasn't there, I think you have options to slot in, be it either Kaliev or or uh, Kachev, and if you want to get nuts, I would love to see somebody like Velarde as a top six winger when Byfield's healthy. Because again, I the the issues with Velarde are kind of his two hundred foot game, and as a centerman, he struggled so far in the NHL to at the dot as well. Yeah, well at the dot, but he's also struggled to show that he can kind of carry a line and 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 be effective at both ends of the ice. I think I don't think anybody questions his offensive ability and going forward. So if, if you can take some of that defensive responsibility away from him um, and move him to the wing, I understand with Byfield out right now, that's pretty tough to do. Um, but I also think if you keep him at the middle and you move Kempe down to the wing with him, that's going to help Kempe again. He's a good player. I'm not saying that Kempe doesn't belong on the team necessarily. I just don't think he belongs in the second line. You know, I think he's better suited to help out Velarde than he would be in the second. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can tell you that. You can't convince me. You can convince me on that. And, and you know, I, I've always thought that Kempe with a consistent center could produce uh, higher levels offensively. And uh, we all we'll hope it, it, yeah. And we'll see if that becomes true. And it's, it's not panic button yet with that second line because they've created chances. It's just 
like you said, where do you think the goals come from? And and maybe it is Kempe and I follow just need it. We didn't bury them in this game and it'll move on. So, and, you know, it's such a fine line too. real quick. Sorry, but it's, it's as a coach, like they know, like they see what's happening, but you have to have that. You don't want to jumble things up too quickly. You don't want to dip into the AHL too quickly. Cause then it's like, you, you, there's that sense of panic, like, Oh boy, you know, it's not working. We have to jumble it all up or we have to do this. We have to do that. And you have to really play that balance as a coach of like, it's not blender time. That's for sure. Right. That's kind of what I'm getting. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta be a little careful about how you go about it. You know what I, you know, what I would like to see is, is, is kind of what Robo did, you know, bringing it back to the ring. Robo did just kind of switch at the lines for, to get some juice, switch it up for like the last four minutes of, of play uh, in one of the periods, if it's not going well and, and see if they can kind of create some, some, uh, some juice there because he's a proponent of pairs as well. And just like I am. And so the, to know I follow pair, I really like. And so maybe just kind of throw up a different third up there and see if you can create some, some offense there. They did that with more from the fourth line to the third line. There's nothing wrong with trying to experiment mid game. If, if nothing's working, because that third line has been abysmal. Yeah. And you know, you know, I, I guess in fairness too, because they had a horrible first period, they had a good second period. Yeah. The Kings did. So I can certainly see why, okay, well, we don't have to change anything up. It's, it's going well now. Um, so I don't know. It's, 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 it's a fine line. It's a fine line. And we'll, maybe we'll get an idea on, uh, on Friday, what, uh, you know, what things will look like. I hope they get it together. Cause I'm going to the game. I'm in here in Dallas. That's right. Game. I, That's got, right. I got tickets. So they better figure it out. Um, but you know, we could talk all day here with the Kings. This is a rain podcast. We kind of finished that up. We got two games this week before we come back for our, our next uh, podcast. Usually we're going to be trying to record on Wednesday. So you guys should get the pod coming uh, Thursdays before the weekend of games. Again, uh, they have one on Friday, October 22nd against the Bakerfield uh, Condors uh, at home. And then again, Saturday against the San Diego Goals at home. So uh, you guys that are listening in L.A., get yourself out there to the IE and watch some games over there. You know, the, the Toyota Sports Arena is definitely a nice place to watch some games. They have some beer specials. Um, I particularly like on the broadcast, the Mario uh, sound when people That's get awesome. the penalty box. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's pretty great. Um, you know, and then we're going to come at you again next week with the results from the weekend. As always, Joe, it's been, uh, it's been great talking to you. Oh, got to plug, uh, uh, hockeyroyalty.com is where you can find all these articles at everybody. Our, our team is growing. The amount of articles yep. we got pumping out is ridiculous. Uh, if you are a hockey junkie and you need it plugged into your vein, have hockeyroyalty.com glued to your phone or your laptop or wherever you get your informational uh, stuff there and and then as well we have hockey underscore royalty on twitter royalty underscore pod uh joe where can they find you on the twitskis at jw paterino paterino right there and i'm at rando commando 24 uh i'm gonna say goodbye to you again because yeah i love you man <laughs> you're my co-host so it's always been a pleasure on here my man and, always and as we know go kings go and go Ringo. love it <laughs>